right, it's new, so we're gonna go slow and try to learn it. We'll probably sing it three times. Okay. All right. Blessed be the Lord. I mean timing mm -hmm. in the middle of it and switch back to from three quarters to three uh, four four then they're back to three quarters oh, no wonder. yeah uh, yeah they they whoever wrote this is stupid huh? no, I, I'm just, <laughs> oh I'm on I'm on live <laughs> no 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 <laughs> he did not mean to say that <laughs> word uh, Want your coffee? Yes. That's not mine. Is that yours? I don't know. Someone left a full cup of Who's coffee here with cream right in it. Oh, that's mine. That's yours. Get to you. I'm getting old to you. All right. Have a good class today. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't have my kids. Oh? They're in there. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to the book of Philippians chapter... One, and this will be our verse for us to focus on for at least January. And then I'll repeat the same verse in the 1045 service. I guess some folks have hang-ups or hangovers from yesterday, from last night. Wherever you were, probably you had fireworks that kind of kept you up. But uh, we want to start anyway. Philippians 1, verse 27, will be 
a theme verse for at least January and likely February. And so here's what it says, Philippians 1.27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now the words you find here is stand fast, and then you have the word striving together. So those two parts, stand fast and striving together. Stand fast, striving together. You can also add with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Stand fast and striving together. That'll be the theme for the month of January and likely February because I will cover some issues that I think is good for us to, to cover as a church because we want to emphasize things for the church as a church. Things like family issues, uh, cultivating con contentment in the home, words that can build a marriage, faith for the family, marriage from heaven, and then lessons from a dysfunctional family. Some of the issues I'd like to cover. And then faith, having strong faith, how to have, how to have a solid faith, power of faith, can God be trusted with your troubles, principles to fortify your faith, and then some heroes of the faith. I'd like to cover some of those things. Also, walking with God in the new year. Learning how, the only way to live, when, say, when faith seems to fail, uh, strength in time of crisis, and how to be a committed Christian, things to hinder fellowship, secret of satisfaction. Some of those things I'd like to cover in the month of January and in the month of February. So there's other things too, but uh, today is kind of like a preparatory, a getting you ready for January. So this morning, we're looking at Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27. That is our theme verse for at least January and February. And so I'd like to begin by going to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Our first Bible lesson for the new year is 1 Peter chapter 5. And it'll be connected to our theme verse. At 1045, the message is going to be connected to our theme verse. And so I want you to think, we need to stand fast as a church. We need to strive together as a church. I'm emphasizing the body, the church. It's good to be in church on the first day of the new year. It's not often we have New Year's Day on a Sunday. And so today is that rare time in which we have church day on the first day of the year. So I'm glad you're here today. I'm hoping others are still in the way. I'm hoping some will come late even. Um, sometimes if you come late, you feel like, oh, I'm not going to come because it's going to be late. Come anyway. Come anyway. All right. First Peter chapter 5. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at this chapter, verse number 1. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. Okay, did you find the verse? Okay, look at it carefully. There are good words in this chapter, and I hope that it'll help us to get on a right track and a good start for the new year. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. The elders, the elders, these are the pastors, these are the bishops, these are the ones who lead the churches. The elders which are among you, I exhort... 
So Peter's addressing these men. They're all men. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So the first thing he says about the elders is that they're all partakers of the glory. We would say this means that they're all saved people. It's one thing to be uh, skilled in, in oratory or being able to speak publicly uh, with uh, charisma, but it's another thing to be saved and be a pastor. So he's saying we're all saved people. That's important, you know, having a saved pastor of the church. Verse 2, he says, here is our responsibility. Here is what I know, he says, and here's what I know, what I know, and here's what Peter knows. Peter knows that he, an elder, and the other elders he's talking to, has responsibilities. Number two, verse number two. The first responsibility, he says, is to feed the flock of God, which is among you. The first responsibility, the first thing Peter says, here's what I know. And I pass this on to you as far as beginning the new year. Here's what I know about what I need to be doing. I need to be doing this. I need to feed the flock of God, which is among you. Now, he says, feed the flock. So he looks at he looks at churches. Peter looks at churches as if they are sheep. And in the Old Testament, sheep was connected to the nation of Israel. God looked at his people as sheep. And he is, of course, the real shepherd. In the New Testament, the church is like a flock. And the real shepherd of the church is Jesus Christ. We'll look at another verse here where he talks about the chief shepherd, verse 4, shall appear. So the man who is the pastor of a church is not the chief shepherd, but he is a shepherd. He could be the shepherd. In many New Testament uh, verses, you have Paul addressing elders, elders, multiple pastors. Likely there was one who was called, called the senior pastor or the, uh, the main pastor, or sometimes he's called the pastor, and then there's assistant pastors, assistant pastors, assistant pastors, pastors of this department, pastors of this department. There's like that. So different elders, different pastors, different men who lead the church. Not all is one. However, you have to have one that is like the one that the buck stops there kind of thing. If you have too many voices, you have too many people to be responsible for over a group, then you're not really sure who is going to be the deciding vote caster, so to speak. So in that sense, feed the flock of God. Elders, feed the flock of God which is among you. So the first thing that the pastor should do in a local church is to feed the flock as the Old Testament shepherd leads his flock into green pastures. The local church pastor in the New Testament, his responsibility is to feed the flock. Give the, give the sheep something to feed on. Give the sheep something to eat. Give the sheep something that is nourishing. Now, you ever eat junk food? Would you confess to begin the new year that you have eaten junk food. I think everybody's eaten junk food before. And then you learn about what is really good food, then you begin to switch your diet, and then you become healthier. Well, uh, the job of the elder, Peter says, is to feed the flock. Feed the flock. So we're gonna feed the flock. My role is to feed the flock. Now here's what I think good food is. This is a plate of food, and that is a big T-bone steak, <laughs> or fillet of fish, or something like that. 
potatoes and beans and whatever, whatever you like to eat. So that's what I think feeding means, that you eat something. When you sit down to dine, you sit down not to look at each other, you sit down to eat. When you're at home, it's time to eat. You don't look at your food, you eat the food. And if you have food prepared for you that's good, you like it, you enjoy it. Um, but if you have someone who doesn't know how to cook, hopefully that person will learn how to cook. But hopefully that person will give you something that you like to eat. And so when people come to church, when sheep come to church, what should they be doing? They should expect to get fed. Maybe not steak, but maybe milk, maybe mush, maybe oatmeal, maybe grits, maybe sweet potatoes, maybe sour potatoes, maybe french fries, maybe fish, maybe meat, maybe pork, maybe just water. I don't know. Maybe something that'll give you some kind of, oh, that was really good. Now, when I have a good meal at home, I tell my wife, mm, that was so good. I would pay money for that. And then she always says, but you did. <laughs> Doesn't have to be bought. But uh, when you come to church, you need to expect to get fed. And so that's the first thing, fed, being fed the word of God. Now, also, he says, number two, in verse number, verse number two, first he says, feed the flock of God. Pastors, he says, feed the people the Bible. Feed the people the Bible. Don't just give them things about the Bible, but feed them the Bible. Teach the Bible. And don't just give them cereal, the box of cereal. Give them the cereal. Um, I just bought something I never bought before at Costco. It's some kind of, what is it called? It's a gra granola kind of with flax like that. Never bought it. It was on sale, so I said, I'll give it a try. And I really like that. Well, I don't just eat the package. I like the packaging. I like packaging. When I see candy wrapped in a certain way with foil and nice lettering, I think the candy is good. But I buy it to eat what's inside, not just the wrapping. Imagine just eating the foil. Just imagine eating the, the wrapping, eating the cereal box. That's not any good. Eat the content. When you come to church, you need to get something more than just something that looks glittery, something that just looks good. You want to get something that's of substance, something that you can feed on. Unfortunately, a lot of a lot of places, a lot of churches, they have a lot of nice wrapping. A lot of nice wrapping. Gold foil, gold printing, silver, nice colors. Everything is so appealing to the eye. But then there's not much what's in there, in the packaging. I like nice packaging. And I like what's in the package. But I don't eat the packaging. I eat the stuff that's in the package. And so when you come to church, you come to get fed the Word of God, not just get a few good things. I hope you understand what this is about. And so he says, feed the flock of God, which is among number two. The next responsibility, the next thing that is expected of being in church from, from a pastor is taking the oversight thereof. Taking the oversight thereof. This is being like in charge. This is like being responsible for what's going on. This is like being one who oversees things and sees what's going on and make sure things don't go out of kilter. Like a manager, like a boss. Brother Knapp used to call me boss. I never did like that. Uh, this is Pastor Ching, he's our boss. I didn't like that term boss because it's different from just an employer-employee situation. It's quite different. But he did that in his local style, you know. That's the boss. What are we gonna do about this? I don't know. You're the boss. <laughs> yeah. You're the boss. Okay, yeah, I understand what you mean, but don't, the term is not, but the description is sort of like what the idea is. Uh, taking oversight is the idea of having um, supervision, 
being able to say this is what's good we should do this this is not so good we shouldn't do that oversight he says take the oversight add it to that oversight matter of being quote the leader being pastor he says take an oversight thereof he says not by constraint not by constraint but willingly not because you elder you pastor is forced to do what you need to do but do it because you are doing it because you want to do it willingly not because you're forced to do anything now sometimes in churches you have to remember this sometimes in churches the pastor is kind of handcuffed he's tied behind with one hand behind his back because deacons or other people are are going to be upset if he does something different from what they wanted to have done and so sometimes he's forced to do some things he doesn't want to do that's a bad situation to be in for a church uh, and so sometimes uh, churches a lot of committees a lot of organization to it a lot of uh, different groups sometimes they feel like they have empowerment to dictate things to the church and run the church now sometimes that happens in a structure of a church and sometimes it works and sometimes it causes a lot of grief and problems whenever the pastor of a church feels like he must do something to please certain people or because he's afraid of hurting some people's feelings or because he might offend some people that's a that's a bad situation the pastor should feel like there's liberty and freedom to do what he thinks God wants him to do and to teach and so on. Now when it comes to doing certain things with the uh, day-by-day operation kind of thing, uh, there's a lot of flexibility there. There is no dictatorship involved in which he feels like he has the answer for everything. A lot of times he has to reach out to get answers from people in his own church that is very helpful. They have more wisdom. They have more understanding about certain issues. And so that's not what that's about. But that's about doing something that you're forced to do you're, you're constrained to do it. I, I need to do this. I, want, I think God wants me to do this, but, but they might, the, the, these, this board might get upset with that kind of thing. So you got to be careful about that kind of stuff, right? And so, well, no, 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 you can't, no. Did you want this guy to come in and preach? No, you can't. Have, see, that's, that's not good. You're being forced to do some things or not to do some things because of the pressure. Peter says, feed the flock, number one, and then take oversight. Be in charge. Be responsible. Be sure that you're aware of what's going on. Uh, I, when we first got into the back room, I did say one time before we, when we had afternoon service, I said, as far as announcements go, one of the main announcements that we need to be careful about is that I don't like surprises. Don't surprise me. Don't do things to surprise me. And for me to say, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. I hate to say, oh, I didn't know that. Isn't that true? See, me, between me and my wife, when she is thinking about something, and then she does something. I say, why'd you do that? Oh, because I said, well, why didn't you tell me before you did it? Oh, well, I thought, well, okay, well, she didn't mean anything by it. She didn't mean anything by it. She probably was thinking about something good to do that's beneficial to both of us, to the family. But uh, I don't like surprises. And then getting in the car, okay, where are we going to go? We're going to go here, here, and here, okay. And then, oh, by the way, can we go over here? No, wait a minute. You said we're going to go one, two, three. And now you want to go four, five, six? So I'm surprised. I don't like surprises like that. And sometimes uh, some things come up that you can't help. That's not a problem. But when you have a chance to clearly say before something happens, um, what about this, this, this? Okay, yes, fine. Okay, no surprises. I like that. And so oversight is kind of like to say that there are no surprises. No surprises. Things that are... Out of courtesy, out of consideration, knows what's going on, but most of all, not being forced to do something against your will as far as toward a pastoral situation. 
He says, but do willingly. So he is to do some things for the flock because he wants to, not because he's forced to. I gotta go to the hospital again, visit so so. Oh man, gotta go see Bobby again. Oh man, what a humbug this is to go and see Bobby again. Oh man, see, not, not, no, but willingly, willingly. Oh, what, what, what? Gotta go call that text, what? Again and again and again. I don't wanna do that, but I'll do it because I, I'm supposed to do that. Oh no, do it willingly. Do it willingly. Have a willing mind. Then it says, not for filthy lucre. Now what's that all about? Filthy lucre. Not for filthy lucre. But of a ready mind. Don't do what you do, elders. Paul, uh, Peter admonished them. Don't do it for the, the benefit financially. But of a ready mind. Filthy lucre. Profit. Gain. Something to get out of something. Because, because this... Okay, I want to go to this church because they, they're going to pay me this in their pay package. I'm going to go to this church instead. I'm praying about what to do. I'm going to go to this church because they can offer me 100000 a year. I'm not going to take this church because they can offer, only offer me 80000 Well, he does it for the money, filthy looker. He says, don't do things for that reason. So what to expect, what to expect is for the elder to have these qualities, these, these virtues, these attitudes, these... Uh, this heart thing to feed the flock, yes. Um, oversight, yes. Willingly, yes. Not because you're forced to, and don't do it because it's a money issue. Number three, here's something else he says. Here's something that we should know. Verse number three. Pastors are like shepherds. Verse four, not being lords over God's heritage. Okay, what's that all about? Not being lords over God's heritage. What's a complaint about pastors in churches? What's a common complaint that you've heard over the years? Oh, he's just a, starts with a D. He's just a dictator. What does that mean, he's just a dictator? What do they mean by that? It could mean number one, whoever makes that complaint, they don't have a say so, they feel like their voice doesn't matter, or they want to get their way, they don't get their way. It could mean three things. It could mean that. Well, I I wanted to sing one time, long time ago, a man came up to me, had a little girl that wanted to sing a song in church, and uh, I said, well, what's the song? This is after Sunday school, and the name of the song, I never heard that song before. Here, I'll play it for you. Well, not right now, but I'd like to hear what the song is, okay? I mean, we like participation, but we like to also be cautious. <laughs> and so I heard the song, and it was not really, it was not really a good song, but the song was a popular song, and they sang it in their home, and they wanted to share it with church people because it was good for them, they believed. They wanted to be a blessed to someone else too. And so I said, well, um, I'm not familiar with that song, and I was listening to the lyrics of that song, and it doesn't seem like it's, something that is edifying. What do you mean by that? Well, it doesn't sound like this song has, I'm not quite sure what the song is saying. I'm not sure if this song is doctrinally correct. And uh, Well, but it's a good song. I said, well, I know that you like the song, but I don't I don't feel like this song is something that we can play in church. Now, if you want to listen to yourself, it's up to you because that, you know, that's your own life, all right? But when it comes to church things, I have to be careful what we hear. He said, well, okay, okay, okay. You know what happened? 
they dropped out of church. This years ago, you don't know who they, don't even guess who they are. You never, you're never going to guess right. But the, the girl was offended. She was about 13. She was offended. Sorry, she was about nine. She was offended. How come that I can't sing that song in church? Well, the pastor, we can. You know what the real complaint was over there in his heart? The D word. I'm a lord. I'm a dictator. That's what the real charge was. That was the real problem. See? So verse 3, neither being as lords over God's heritage. So that's a real legitimate thing in many cases, but it should not be. You know that it's very common for you to come up to me and ask me something or say, you know, well, you said this in church, but did you really mean that? What do you mean by when you said that? You know, I don't, I don't get offended by that. It doesn't bother me that you're thinking. <laughs> it's good to think, you know. It's good to think. And it's good to say, what about this idea? And what about this? And what about that? It's not a problem. It's a good thing that people to think for the welfare of the church. We think together. We work things together. Work out things together for the right reasons, for the right cause. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about, well, I'm smarter. I'm wiser. I, it's not about that. It's about let's let's do things the best that we can for Jesus Christ's sake. And so when it comes to being lords over God's church, that's a complaint. But it shouldn't be a complaint. It shouldn't be. You should have and I should have the attitude that this is together. Philippians 1, 27, striving together, doing things together. We all have different parts to fulfill, different roles to fulfill together. Never a one-man show, never your show, never my show. Never me against you, you against Never like that at all. Well, he doesn't look to my advice or my opinion. Okay, if I don't, what should you do? What should you do? Pastor, I have a suggestion. Okay, what is it? Okay, well, thanks for your suggestion. Well, that doesn't mean I'm going to take your suggestion. It just means I thank you for your suggestion because it's a good suggestion or it's your suggestion. But I don't think it's going to fit in this situation. So if I don't do that, what should you do? <laughs> what should you do? The next time you sit down to eat with your family, you're going to have barbecue pastor. You're going to grill the pastor and criticize him because he is a lord. He is a dictator. Wait a minute. You give an opinion. You have a suggestion. A suggestion is not an order. But a suggestion can become an order from you to me or to a pastor because you think it's a good idea and it may be a good idea, but maybe not the right time. But the accusation is uh, being a Lord. Now he, he does say, don't be a Lord. So he's saying, don't be, don't be putting up barriers against suggestions. Don't be putting up walls against people's ideas. So he's saying that. He's saying, listen to them. He's saying, ask them for their opinion. He's saying, see what they think about things because this health is good. Sometimes sheep, they have brains. Sometimes. Sometimes sheep have good ideas. I don't know how many times I've taken your suggestions and implemented it and it was a good thing. I don't know how many times. And then there's sometimes I say, well, maybe later. And sometimes you said, okay, fine. You let it go, which is great. And every once in a while, rarely, but every once in a while, people have an attitude like, oh, oh, that's a good idea. 
Nobody didn't take my idea. And then you can talk about it to somebody else and you get a big attitude in your heart about things. Now somebody else has an attitude about that. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Okay? It's like football. It's like sports. You know, if a football head coach has got a lot of stress on him just by being a coach, but assistant coaches sometimes get kind of out of order because they think their opinion about things supersedes the head coaches. This is why head coach and coaches have team meetings and have meetings together and then they have team meetings. And they don't want the media to get into the thing because the media will have a frenzy because they gotta have people reading and watching their broadcasts or their articles. They gotta get attention by making strife within the team organization, head coach, assistant coach. Um, the, the head coach made a decision about a play, it didn't work. What do you hear about it next by commentators? They trash the head coach and then they interview other coaches. That's the silly question. Now, your coach made this decision and because of his decision, the game is lost. What do you think about that? You know, that's a bad question to ask. What do you think about that? The, the assistant coach, and a, a team has several assistant coaches for most of the positions. If that coach is a loyal coach to his head coach who hired him, you know what that coach ought to say? Well, he's the head coach. I think he did what he thought was right. Why don't you ask him why he did that as he did? Why don't you ask him why he made the decision? I'm so busy with my responsibilities, I'm taking care of my responsibilities. Okay, that's better than saying, well, you know, yeah, yeah, because of his decision, we lost that game. We should have won that game, but he made a bad decision. Is there something wrong with that response? There's something a lot wrong with that response. But everybody's got to have an ego to be fed, you know what I mean? We all have to feel important. But the wise assistant coach never contradicts the head coach. But a wise head coach in his coach's meeting, now, how come we failed over here? Okay, so we should do this instead? Yeah, coach, I think we should do this. Yeah, you know what, I think you should do that. And what about over here? We didn't make that first time we need to, and um, that was really a bad thing. Uh, I'm, I, I made the call, but uh, what, a, what kind of call will we call next time if this happens again? The offensive coordinator says, well, coach, I think we should call, plan, uh, call for this play, this play, this play. Why? Because, because, because. You know what? I didn't think about that. We should think about that next time. Now, see, that's what he's talking about. Don't be a dictator, but be open to these kind of matters. Does this make sense? I hope it makes sense because it has to be true. Look at verse number three again. He says, don't be a lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So be an example. As, as a local church pastor wants the people to be, he should be what he wants them to be. Be an example. Well, that covers a lot of territory, doesn't it? How, how would you like it if I told you to do this, but I don't do what I tell you to do? Do as I say, not as what I do. Would you appreciate it? Would you? No, I don't think so. If you told me, let's take sports. If you told me, all right, now let me go back to in the high school days at Castle High School. One summer camp, I think when I was a sophomore, 1968, before most of you were born, 1968. One assistant coach, Japanese guy from town, he got paid pennies, pennies, pennies. The assistant got pennies. 
and he had some, we were staying in a, at the castle gym for three days, three times a day practice. It was horrible. And then we stayed over at K-Bay at the barracks, right? It was horrible. And three days of practice, three, three times a day practice. When an assistant coach come down, give us a pep talk, his name was Okamoto, not O, he was Okimoto, not Okamoto, Okimoto, Okimoto, Mr. Okimoto. And he came down and says, hey, you know, you guys, you guys want to beat Carlo this year? Here's what you gotta do, you gotta beef up. Listen to this advice, you gotta beef up. We're listening to him, we wanna beef up, we'll beat Carlo. He said, what you guys gotta do, you gotta eat raw meat. <clears throat> Don't cook it, eat it raw. We looked at him like, he said, yeah, raw meat. It'll make you tough. And I thought to myself, lions eat raw meat. Lions eat animals alive. You want us to eat raw meat? He said, make it tough, man. It'll make you tough, make you man. I didn't believe him. I thought he was going too crazy. Oh, we got that information from Urban Legend or got it from YouTube somewhere, but it ain't true. <laughs> Being examples to the flock, meaning what I tell you to do, I should do as well. That's pretty fair. And so he says, do that. You can respect someone who is an example of what he says you should do, at least he's trying to. And this way sometimes I use the pronoun I, I, I. Yesterday I did this, yesterday we did this, yesterday. It's not to say, look at me, I'm my own hero of the story. I was once accused of that. It made me kind of mad to have someone accuse me of being a hero of my own story. I was talking about, I, I'll just say witnessing. I said, yesterday we witnessed to so many people, you know, and God gave us so many tracks, and, and that person took that kind of example, personal example, as I'm trying to exalt myself. You know what that was really about? But being in samples to the flock. If I tell you you should do that, I should do the same thing. And so that person took it like that because that person never did what I said you should do. Now here's a lesson to learn. If you get mad about something that you're said to do, it's because likely you're not doing it. And you get bent out of shape. All right? So, those who, those who are trying to do the right thing, they don't feel that way. So the pastor is to be an example to the flock. Okay? Let's take one more example about that. In the military, you have a dress code. And in the dress code, I don't know what it is, but uh, young men back there should know what the general back there should know what the example is, the dress code is. And um, if you see a superior not living up to the dress code when everybody else is supposed to, that makes you feel kind of uneasy. That makes you feel like uh, he wants us to do that, but he doesn't do it himself. You feel like, well, okay, why should I do that? And you kind of grumble, but you, you, you do, but you grumble. But if you see your superior officer doing exactly the same thing you're supposed to do, you feel like, yeah, he thinks it's important. I'll do the same thing. You feel good about that. And so that translates into the Christian life, church matters. And so example, verse four, verse four. And when the chief shepherd, that's who really is the shepherd of the church, shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Verse five, likewise ye younger, now talking back to the elders, likewise ye younger, Submit yourselves unto the elder. And yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be here's how you can do that. He says to the elders, and be clothed with humility. 
For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So verse number five and verse number six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Verses five and six is another thing that you ought to expect from a local church pastor. You ought to expect him to be humble. Humility. He says all of these elders should be subject to the same rule. All of you be humble. When you're humble, you don't try to be numero uno. I know some Spanish. <laughs> numero uno. You don't try to be numero uno. You don't try to be the best. You don't try to be the, the star of everything. You don't have to be if you have some humility. Now, when kids are young, they're immature. They want to be the best at what they can be, uh, whether it be sports or anything else. And there's nothing wrong with that, really, because they're growing up and they're developing. They're, they're you know, learning how to handle things. But uh, when an adult tries to be the best at everything and takes all the glory, like LeBron James, that's a real ugly, ugly thing to watch. When a player has to be the greatest of all time and demand the greatest contract of all time, that's ugly, ugly, ugly. That is quite the opposite of humility. But I like people like Mike Trout. Mike Trout from Anaheim Angels, California Angels. Mike Trout, you know what? He's got a real huge contract. He's been one team for over 10 years. All-star most of his uh, young career. And uh, last year he had seven home runs in seven straight games, which was a record. He tried to get them eight, but only got a double, <laughs> which is still good, you know. But uh, Mike Trout always makes time for kids before the games start. Every time there's a, a warm-up for the games, they spend two hours getting ready for the game. He's out there, um, and kids come by. The gates are open early. You can come in and watch them hit batting practice and watch them stretch and do all the routines and things. My child see kids where he walks to the kids. He say, hey, buddy, how you doing? He'll talk to kids. Parents are there. And he'll say, what's your name? He'll talk to them. He says, hey, let, wait, let me give you some." And he'll go over here. And he will, he say, I'll give you a bat. He'll sign his name, Mike Trout, and give him the, the bat, the kid. The kid's going, oh, 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 oh. The kid's like, wow. He's just overwhelmed. Because this race star, Mike Trout, gave him a baseball bat. And then he'll say, um, uh, you can hang on the double if you want to. Come, come, come. And he'll tell the usher, let, let him come down. The usher says, yes, sir. He comes, sits in the dugout, and watching from the dugout like that to practice. That boy's having a thrill of his life. Parents are appreciative. Here's this big multi-million dollar star acting as if he's a regular guy. Everybody likes that kind of a person. But then you got people like LeBron James walking around like this. Nose up in the air, like bow in the presence of your majesty, King James. And then Mike Trout Got his hat on backwards and it walks up here with his jersey on. Hey, how's that? How's that? How's that? Hey, 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 hey. Small top, very down to earth kind of guy. He says he never forgot where he came from. He never forgot his upbringing. He never forgot his father, his mother, his little league coach, and all the way up. He never forgot his coaches that helped him. Never forgot them. He brings them out sometimes during the season, gives them good seats. And uh, there's another character like that, Tim Tebow. When he was at the Denver Broncos as their quarterback for a year or two, he would find out about people, children who had disabilities. He would fly out the family to the game the day before, maybe like for a whole week in Denver, come out, give them a jersey, give them footballs, things like that. Just make them feel special. He says, I have the money. I can do this. I have a platform. 
Why should I be living in the clouds with people living down in the earth where I live? He just wanted to be a nice guy to people. Everybody was so appreciative of his humility. Peter says here, you, you elders, don't act as if you're a peacock. <laughs> you ever see a peacock shred his feathers? Walk around like that. So beautiful. The peacock is saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at all of my beauty. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Peter says, you men should not be like that at all. You should just be a regular man saved by God's grace, called into the ministry. You have a privilege to serve your people. Do that with humility. And that will apply to any kind of aspect of church work. All right. So he says this. Um, humble yourself. And then, uh, no, verses 7 and 8 and 9 takes me into one of the messages coming up very soon in January about there's there's a prowler around your home. There's a prowler around your home. Look at those verses. Not for today, but this is coming up for a full 45 minutes. There is a prowler around your home, around your apartment, around your condo, around your home. There's a prowler around your home. You know, there's a reason why people, have live, people want to live in gated communities because of crime, because of crime. I have some stats about crime in Hawaii. Our, our crime stats in Hawaii are higher than most mainland cities. I have the exact numbers from about you know, last year. And it's amazing how people are so afraid of burglaries. It happens all the time. And then there are other kinds of burglaries and other kinds of crime much more vicious. It's called home invasions where the intent is to not only rob, but also to hurt and to do violence. And then um, this one company advertising for their safety or security alarm kind of prop, uh, company, they're advertising about how they can protect you from crime. You know, there is a prowler that goes around your house and that's what he's talking about over there. I can't wait to get that one to you. It might be next Sunday. Uh, I don't know, but I want to. I want to tell you about that so much. I want you to learn from it. I want you to, I want you to strive together. I want you to stand up and strive together as a church, as a member of the church. I want you to strive together and not let this prowler steal from you and hurt you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm looking at one young man who's doing this. I feel like some of you are doing the same thing without doing it you need to wake up okay so the new year is upon us and we will verse number seven cast all of our cares upon him for he cared for you go back to first uh not first philippians but <laughs> philippians chapter one philippians chapter one let's look at our theme verse for january Philippians once when we read it together out loud, please, and then we'll take our break. Philippians 1 27. We'll read together. Only let your conversation be as yet becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Notice, stand fast, one spirit, one mind, 
striving together. So the theme for the month of January is stand fast, striving together. Look at your bulletin you got by email. How many of you are looking at the email bulletin? Raise your hand. Okay, if you're not getting it, you need to get that. And uh, I like doing it that way because I can put a lot of color pictures in there and uh, much easier. So the bulletin is there for you to see, birthday announcements, anniversary announcements, announcement what's coming up, all that stuff is in. There's a good thing I wrote about, um, um, think about it. You need to read that. You need to read these things, ladies and gentlemen. Don't just, don't just uh, ignore it, read it, okay? So stand fast, one spirit, one mind striving together. So that emphasized to me the church working together for the common cause of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's take a short break. Thank you.